Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek Podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor with Adweek. And with me, as always, is Shannon Miller, our creative and inclusion editor. Shannon, how are you feeling? I am feeling young and free. How are you? I, you're feeling young and influential because this is our young and influ- our young influentials issue uh, just came out today, uh, and with us to talk about it, this is our list of the rising talent in the industry, and of course in marketing and tech and everything. It's like I'm always it always cracks me up because in other industries it would be like they're a junior or whatever, and in this industry it's like they're the CEO of Instagram. You know, and you're just like <laughs> oh yeah, good for that 32 year old. So with us to talk about all the folks on this year's young influentials list in Adweek are two of our digital editors who ran this year's uh, complete list, Colin Daniels and Chloe Gold. Uh, Colin, uh, welcome. This is your first time on the podcast. Hello. So glad to be here. And same also, I believe, for Chloe. Uh, Chloe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here. All right. So um, we're just going to dive in because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, first, I just want to like head on tackle the question of should there be lists of like 40 under 40? I will I will say, I've probably said this on an earlier show, I was a 40 under 40 um, in my, my city. Uh, and it was interesting. It was an interesting experience. I was probably like 35. Uh, so obviously a while ago. Um, and um yeah, no, it was good. I think what I have always appreciated about these kinds of lists is that if you just gave lists, if you just devoted every list to people who are at the peak of their game, right, in an industry like marketing or or whatever, you're going to get a lot of top-level executives, you're going to get a lot of homogeneity, um, and you're going to, you know, repeat a lot of people <laughs> year to year. It's like the CEOs of these companies don't exactly change all that much, nor do it really many of the C-level folks. They may rotate around. But I, I love, like, uh, lists that really kind of feature here's the up-and-coming talent. And again, I, I don't think 40 is necessarily all that young in our industry, um, but it really is a great place to we, – we don't repeat these folks. You know, once they're on the list, that's it. Um, and uh, so I, I've always found a lot of value in it. Uh, Chloe, what's your – I mean, obviously you don't have like a supreme moral objection to it since you did run this year's Young Influentials list. But I'm just curious, like what's your, what's your thought on the value of these lists versus when people say, oh, age should never be considered. It shouldn't even be part of the conversation. I actually have a lot of um, feelings about these kinds of lists. I think that it is a good thing to inspire um, young people and to see um, to see younger people really exceeding um, in their respective industries and their fields and really um, taking charge at a young age and going forward with that. However, I do think that there's a line. And I think that as a society, really as a global society, um, there's this weird fetishization with youth. And I think that 
Um, when we focus on lists like 40 under 40 and 30 under 30 and stuff like that, it really, um, I don't know. I think that it sets a lot of, um, expectations that are perhaps too high for the majority of people who are under 40 or are under 30. And so when people in their field, even though they are succeeding at their field, if they don't make those kinds of lists, then, um, you know, it leads to a lot of insecurities and it leads to a lot of imposter syndrome. And, um, I think that it's, it's a good thing to have those lists, but at the same time, um, you know, uh, it's not, it's not the end all be all. Plus also, um, when we have these kinds of lists, I think that it kind of pushes, um, older people, specifically older women to the sidelines. And I think that it speaks to a larger issue about ageism, especially, um, in a media industry. And it speaks a lot about sexism when that happens. Yeah. And, and I think the, I had a long conversation about this on, I think on LinkedIn, I think a, an executive had posted, there should never be any age-based lists. Uh, no, no 40 under 40, no 60 over 60, like nothing, not, not on the high end, not on the low end. And I, I, di- I disagree, obviously. Like, I, I think it's important that it not be the only thing you do, right? Like, for us, it, it is one list we do of many, uh, and most of ours are dedicated to really people succeeding in their niches. We do not think, you know, really generally about anyone's age on the, the high end or the low end. Um, and we we really have an emphasis, as you two have both seen it, you're, you know, relatively new to Adweek, but hopefully you've already seen, we have this real priority on you know, not just inclusion in the in the sense of who all we put in, both from, uh, you know, in terms of uh, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ identity, all that's factored in, but just making sure it's a truly inclusive list with everything we do. Um, I just, my, you know, my argument has always been that it is important to leave a space for people who are on the come up, right? Like who I think just kind of need uh, you know, you're not going to compete with the CEO of WPP <laughs> for being on a list. Uh, if you say, like, we're going to look at CEOs that are under the age of 40, or if you look at something like that, it it gets you a different crowd. It gives some attention. I think the key is just to make sure you don't fetishize the age part, uh, to Chloe's point, which is obviously something we thought. Good. Colin, what's your, what's your take on these? I've always looked up to the, like, 40 under 40, 30 under 30, not as like, a, oh, gosh, they're doing something that, like, I can't do, but kind of as like a template for inspiration for like, okay, this person can do it. So can I. And in that way, cause I feel like a lot of times a lot of people will compare themselves and feel like, Oh, like, because I'm here, like, and I'm the same age and I'm not on this list. I I'm clearly not doing it right. And I feel like that's what a lot of people get wrong is they try to compare their journey to somebody else's and everybody's timing is different. So I always looked at those words, like, you know what, I may not be the CMO of a great startup at, 30 also, but that doesn't mean that I can't get there at one point in one day in time. So I've always just looked at those as just inspiration and just a sort of drive to keep pushing me towards my goals and to keep me motivated, not as um, something where I feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it. And and Shannon, I I feel like this is something that maybe you and I have talked about too, but it's for me, like I look at those, I don't, I'm over 40. I'm, I'm quite a bit over 40 now. And I look at these lists, I don't get mad about it. Like, I, I don't get, I don't like, oh, why is that person getting a write-up? Why, why are those young snappers getting all the attention? Like, I actually look at them just like, damn, I remember how hard it was to even just get myself out of bed, uh, you know, at this age, to like stay motivated, to mm-hmm. grind your way through work. Like, 
it's those first those first you know ten years or whatever of your career are hard as hell. And when I look at somebody who's really achieving amazing things. I'm not saying there's ever a point in your life where things are easy per se, but you know, I have a lot of respect for people who can who can really make things happen, especially if they're not coming from like, oh, you know, my dad hired me to be a VP at his company. Right. <laughs> Something like they're actually earning it. I'm like, hell yeah. I I have no bitterness toward that at all. Yeah, same. I mean, it's definitely evolved as I've sort of progressed in my own career. Um, I used to have a pretty um staunch point of view um against these sort of lists, um, specifically because the list that came out, um, you know, like years ago, we can even say 10 years ago, that was sort of before the, you know, great prominence of social media when, you know, achievement wasn't quite as accessible, um, to, to everybody. Um, like, you know, not everybody was going to be the founder of Spanx and that's not a, a dig at her. She is a fellow Seminole. So, you know, happy for her and you know and all that she does but um there was that sort of inaccessibility and it was coming from places that weren't um taking the time to really acknowledge the accomplishments beyond these lists so if you only release if you only release one or two of these lists a, a year and one of them is devoted to people who are just doing like totally unreachable stuff under the age of 27, then yeah, that's a problem. Um, but now we have something like Young Influentials that spans across media, right? So you can be a CEO of Instagram, or you can just be a person with a, you know, robust platform on TikTok, which is far more accessible than, you know, having a rich dad. And I think it's important to have that context. And as you mentioned before, um, when you have these lists that are embedded in a litany of honors where, you know, where throughout the year you are recognizing talent across the industry, across gender, age, um, across um, LGBTQ communities, then it becomes, you know, just one of many opportunities to have your star shine a little bit. So my my um, opinion on it has completely changed. Also, I just don't have the time to be angry about it anymore. <laughs> I think that helps just being <laughs> perpetually busy. It's like I know someone under like 32, like created a whole new social media platform. Dope. I I've got like eight stories to write and they're all due tomorrow. So... <laughs> The, uh, you know, I, I think that you bring up like the a really important point, too, which is that the role of us, right, as the media is the part that I think a lot of these lists have gotten a bad reputation because they're just lazy. Yeah. Like they're they're repeated. Like you see the same people. It's like, oh, Kylie Jenner. Wow. Wow. What a good pick. <laughs> um, and then the, and then the other is that they're that they ignore generational wealth, which we've talked about. We ignore like the actual amount of effort that really went into these. Mm -hmm. And I love this year's lineup. Uh, like the I mean, I've I, Young Influentials has a special place in my heart because I do feel like the marketing industry, it's easy to go to conferences. It's easy to go to just about anything. And despite what people may say about the the youth oriented aspects of this industry, 
You go to Cannes, you go to some of these big conferences, good luck finding somebody under 35. Right. <laughs> like, especially on stage. And if they are, they're treated like some some kind of like special, special creature who's going to explain TikTok to us, you know? And so I do think there is this, it, it's an industry that relies on young talent, but at the same time is really reluctant to elevate and celebrate that talent sometimes. And by young, I just mean like, you know, uh, yeah, just like all the way up to 40. It's like until you get to a C level. And and I'll say a little behind the scenes about what it's like to work at a magazine like this for years and years. This is finally changing. If we wanted to feature someone from like an agency or whatever, they would just send us the same people every year. Mm-hmm. Here's our CCO. Here's our CEO. And you'd be like, who else you got? You got any like up and coming talent? No, we don't. <laughs> and they did that because they didn't want that talent to get poached, right? And they and they just wanted to like really celebrate the people they were paying six hundred thousand a year to or whatever. And I get it, but I hate it. <laughs> and so culture has changed. I think now people want to show that they have more inclusive staffing than just the white guy running their creative department. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just it's gotten easier uh, to celebrate these folks. So with that, let's uh, let's uh, get started. Let's go into this year's list. First, I, I think, uh, Chloe, maybe I'll throw a somewhat easy. You can kick it over to Colin, too, as because uh, I'm sure you two had a lot of conversations around this. What do we consider influential? So basically, um, broadly, our young influentials list are people under the age of 40 who are killing it in the fields of marketing, advertising, media, um, and uh, creativity. I guess branding, um, like we, uh, we feature Vanessa and Kim Pham, who are the, uh, the co-creators of the brand Omsom, which is, um, an Asian, uh, Asian food meal kit. Um, read all about it when the issue comes out. Um, but yeah, that's broadly it. We, um, we went through so many, um, iterations of the list and figuring out exactly what young influential meant for the purposes of ad week. Um, and so we really try to keep it in the realm of, you know, branding, advertising and marketing. Um, but if we went beyond that, it would encompass so much more. Like, I think our original list had a few activists on there and we had to really narrow it down just to make it um, specific for an ad week audience. Yeah. Colin, what was the biggest challenge? I remember, like, as y'all were soliciting the mega list to start from, uh, which is always the hardest part. Cause at first you're like, Oh, how are we going to find enough people? And then you blink and you have like 300 names. Um, and what for you was kind of, as you were distilling that list down, what were some things that you said, like, we're going to, we're going to favor people or you're not favor, you know, we're going to like focus on folks who have X, like what, what was it that made people hang on this list and, and stick around to make it to the final one? I know for me going into it, I wanted to make sure it was a list that didn't just have everybody that looked the same, but featured women, people of color, like people that anybody could look at and be inspired by. I didn't want it to be just the typical types of list that you see where it's the same old men and the same whatever. So I really wanted to make sure that I was highlighting a lot of different voices and people from various backgrounds, from TV, brand, social, and there's different journalists on there. But I really wanted to make sure there was a variety where anybody could look at it and actually see themselves in it. And I feel like a lot of these people that we featured on here, their stuff that they're doing isn't just something that's like crazy or a luck of the draw. They all work hard and do so many things that I feel um, are attainable from anybody. So it's not just 
somebody who like, oh, they got lucky because they're a trust fund baby or their dad gave them money or they saved up and got money from a startup to do this and that. But it's people from various backgrounds that are doing, I feel like plain Jane things that other people can do and attain and see. And so I wanted to really highlight those people that are working hard in their fields, worked their way up and kind of show that track record through everything they do. Well, so uh, tell us, uh, Chloe, do, do you have uh, someone you wanted to give a shout out to uh, that uh, really stuck out to you when you were putting this list together? Someone who's a really good example, the kind of folks we wanted on this list? You know, I don't want to um, give any spoilers for the interview for those who haven't read it yet. Well, the, um, <laughs> yeah, the, it will be live uh, as people are listening to this so they, they can find it. So uh, if there's anyone you want to make sure that they look for. One of uh, <laughs> this... Um, group of three people that I personally nominated. Um, I actually knew them a little bit personally um, from my last job. Um, I worked at High Times Magazine before coming over to Adweek. And I worked with these three people for a hot minute um, a couple of years ago. And they left High Times and formed this full-service creative agency for the cannabis industry. And if you're familiar at all, it's such an exciting space to be in right now. And the fact that they are merging a creative agency with the cannabis space is really groundbreaking in a sense. And so, you know, of course I nominated them and I was so happy when they made the final cut. Um, and one of our writers, I think Terry, um, was the one who interviewed them for, um, for their part in the magazine. So I'm very much looking forward to reading about them. Yeah. That's the, uh, the co-founders of Hazy, right? Mm, yeah. Nice. Yeah, definitely. That, that's a that's a great one. Um, I I did want to uh, give a shout out to someone who, again, when you talk about looking back uh, to uh, to to folks who are younger than you, and you can kind of really tell that they did something that you didn't do um, in the good way. Uh, like when I look back on my career and I think of all the times I had an idea, I had a good idea. Looking back, it was a really good idea <laughs> and I didn't pull the trigger on it, right? And then um, and then one that I thought was a really great example of that is Hannah Shia. I, I think it's pronounced Chia, it's T-J-I-A. Uh, she's a, an agent with uh, United Talent Agency. Uh, but But basically she really saw the rise of uh, women in game streaming as influencers. And I think, I think originally was just kind of helping some friends of hers kind of figure out how to deal with brands, how to deal with partnerships. And it ended up becoming, uh, she, she has this huge niche, uh, where she can, you know, is basically the go-to person, uh, for, especially for women, uh, really kind of carving out a space. Cause, cause, you know, as we all know, they have a tougher time of it than, uh, a lot of streamers in terms of dealing with, harassment dealing with uh un, you know unequal uh opportunities from brands and so you know she ended up with i mean basically it's the absolute a list of streamers that you'd want to work with in a niche like that with pokemane valkyrie uh, uh some of some, lily pichu I, I i don't personally know all of them but like pokemane and, and valkyrie uh, like right away are just two of the biggest names in game streaming period and I just love the idea that she really built a career around kind of looking out for them, helping them build uh, the right partnerships and basically just being the agent that they could count on in an industry that it's not like they said, I'm going to go be a famous Hollywood star. I'm going to need an agent. Like they just started streaming and then one day realized like, holy crap, I have millions, <laughs> millions of viewers and brands reaching out to me. What do I do? And Hannah jumping in and, and learning that industry and figuring it out and becoming kind of the go-to person for folks. That's such a great – I just look back. I'm just like, man, 
that's the thing where you see the opportunity, you, you put in the hard work to get there, and, you know, she's already a rising star. Uh, Shannon, was there anyone on the list that, that stuck out to you? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a, a couple of people in here that I really am, am happy to see, but I'm really fascinated with the trajectory of Bumble in general as a dating app. Um, and how they're kind of pioneering this idea of safe dating. So seeing Whitney Wolf Heard um, appear on the list, I thought was really fitting. Um, I'm hoping to do a deeper dive into sort of the evolution of how uh, dating apps are approaching dating culture uh, now, especially mid-pandemic, where that you know, prioritizing that safety has sort of permeated every industry. But Bumble in particular has done some really, really innovative stuff in the sort of dating app space where they've tackled fetishization. They've um, touched on sexual harassment in a really um, deep way. They even, I think, recently opened Bumble Brew, which is a safe dating space in New York. Um, it's like a coffee and wine bar, like a daytime bar that is specifically geared towards providing a safe space for dating individuals. I just think that the innovation there that's happening is really vital in terms of sort of building a better foundation for relationships in general. Um, and I think that that's really do in large part to Whitney's leadership. Obviously there's a lot of hands that that touch that approach, but I think it's really important to sort of look at what Bumble's doing as a template. So I was really excited to see her on there. Yeah, and they they really had carved out such a reputation as a spectacular experiential marketer mm-hmm. uh, before the pandemic. And I remember wondering, like, okay, if they can't do experiential, which had become their their real bread and butter in terms of how they got attention, what are they going to do? How are they going to keep going? And they've really uh, just done some spectacular stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it really showed that they have a, a creative mindset that goes far beyond, you know, we're going to have these kind of experiential, you know, sites at, at South by Southwest or whatever, you know, they, right. they it's really, I love every time I see Bumble in a headline, uh, I always look forward to reading it. Colin, you want to give us, uh, before we wrap up for the day, want to uh, give us one more shout out of anybody on the list that we should look for? Yeah, I would say that uh, Michael, um, the CEO of Dear Media, was one of the ones I was really excited about because I feel like Dear Media is one of those podcast networks that's really changing the game, that trying to not just do audio and storytelling and offer um, platforms to a lot of a great um, woman uh, leaders and, and through voice, but also through their activations. And I know they're doing a lot of original content and stuff. So I feel like he was one that I really just admired, not just as a personal listener to a lot of their different podcasts, but just how they're really changing the game for podcasting and really bringing it to life and uh, creating different stories and stuff around it. So I was really excited to have him included. Yeah, that's uh, Michael Bostic at Dear Media. I um, I was really intrigued when I saw him on the list. Uh, I'm the I, I made this. Uh, I can't remember if I've talked to you two about it. Um, I, I'm a big history podcast buff, which, of course, I'm a middle-aged white man, right? That's our thing. <laughs> um, and then, uh, f- like, two years ago, I decided, okay, I'm done with basically men and military. Like, if you listen to history podcasts, all you get is, like, the history of great men, mm-hmm. in quotes, and the history of military, just just straight up. And it, they're good, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they're real good shows. 
Uh, but I was like, okay, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm like been reading history stuff and listening to it for so many decades. And so I was just like, what happens if I eliminate shows about men and military from my entire, uh, you know, uh, offerings of what I listen to on podcasting? And what's fascinating is thanks to the algorithm, thanks to just like suggestions, you end up finding so many other voices. And so I, I really encourage, I mean, there's podcasts now that I am so heavily addicted to that I would never have stumbled across, right? Just because they weren't in the like, oh, if you liked reading about World War II, you should read, about, you know, listen to this th- show about World War II. <laughs> and then, uh, and like, now, man, it's amazing. And so I just, I encourage everybody, like, check out things like Dear Media Shows, check out just give yourself a personal challenge if you find you're in a bit of a rut and you're just like, okay, I want to listen to, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I'm not, of course, like, uh, I would never crap on uh, true crime while uh, while Chloe's on the on the show. But like, if you were like, okay, I'm going to listen to true crime, but not murders, right? Like, or I'm going to listen to the business podcast, but not about like CEOs telling me how they do their thing. You give yourself these little challenges and it's fun. You find new stuff and you realize like, oh yeah, there are more than 12 podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's actually like 12 million <laughs> but you you always wonder it's like how are there so many podcasts out in the world and yet i only see like the same 10 served up in the apple <laughs> like like the most listened or most popular shows so just a little, little, little suggestion uh, all right. Well, I cannot thank you both enough. I encourage everybody to check out our Young Influentials issue uh, and uh, the the list. Uh, it's it's out there and uh, it's on adweek.com. Check them all out. And huge thanks to uh, to Colin, Chloe, both for for joining. Chloe, was this your was this your like first podcast ever? First podcast ever, in case it wasn't glaringly obvious. <laughs> um, no, it's not. It really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah thanks for letting us be your first podcast I'm, it's certainly not your last if you want someone who can talk about uh, their expertise on everything from journalism and cannabis to true crime uh, and all things gothic you should come find uh, Chloe uh, Chloe Gold and uh, Colin thanks so much for joining was this was this your, you've been on podcasts Colin yeah, yeah I, I did I um, like during quarantine podcasting was like one of my hobbies because I couldn't figure out how to make the banana bread in the cold frothy coffee so. <laughs> I turned to podcasting. I feel so targeted. Uh, that was a call out. And I, okay. Deactivate my Instagram. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much, Shannon. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for letting me co-host for another week. It's crazy how long this is going. <laughs> she just puts a little notch on the wall each time, make it through another week. Um, our, yes, and let us know what you think of uh, this year's Young Influencers list of of how these uh, 40 under 40 type lists are handled and the value you see in them or the problems you have in them. We're, we're, as you can tell from this conversation, we're super transparent. I think it's really important for the media, for folks in the media like ourselves to have these conversations uh, and to really, and to, again, think about the role that, that these kind of lists play in a larger uh, you know, in a larger media environment, Adweek has many, many lists, many honors, many awards, some juried, some editorially curated like this one. And I think they all play a role. And I think the more the more robust that that uh, that range can be, uh, the better. Like it just ensures as long as you're not just celebrating the same people over and over, which we certainly don't hear. Uh, so, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, we're at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. 
Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. And like I said, you can reach us at podcast at adweek.com. Uh, for Adweek, I'm David Grinder. We're going to be off next week uh, as we celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, and then we'll be back the week after. So we'll talk to you then. <laughs> <laughs>